The following is a special on location edition of Higher Journeys. Is there a new kind of human gracing our planet right now? And if so, who are they? Why are they here? And what do they know about the existing agendas to monitor, mimic, and potentially misuse their undeniable intellectual and metaphysical abilities? In this, my fourth interview with the extraordinary Mary Rodwell, a researcher into the phenomenon of this new human, we sat down while on location in Los Angeles to discuss the multi dimensions these individuals demonstrate. Whether it's extreme telepathic and telekinetic abilities, self-healing capacity, or even the ability to make themselves physically invisible to others. These are just some of what Mary has documented in her broad spectrum of research. And as far as she is concerned, this is what we all can aspire to while living on this planet. But first, we must learn to listen to these individuals to understand their unique perspectives, and then take that leap into becoming the new human. It has been a long time coming, Mary, but it's just about here. We're talking about your forthcoming book, your brand new book, The New Human, Awakening to Our Cosmic Heritage. Uh, I have been privy to have a little sneak peek at the book, actually a little bit more than a sneak peek. I had a chance to read quite a few chapters, and I, I thank you for that. Everyone, this book is chock full of evidence. I hasten to use the word proof, but evidence for sure that we are on the precipice of something big. Mm. We are sharing our space on this planet with a group of humans who are way ahead of the curve, not only intellectually, but psychically, intuitively. They understand what we call covert operations. Mm. And I want to talk about that. Uh, all of this is in your book. And I remember mm. as you and I have spoken uh, on many occasions, you have been working so hard to put this together. You've been so passionate about uh, the outcome of what this might do to really uh, be integral in shifting the paradigm of uh, understanding uh, where we're going. Mm. So again, I do want to spend some time uh, focusing on um, primarily, we're not just talking about children. Of course, a lot of the work mm. that you have done has been with children, uh, but uh, adults as well. Uh, but I do want to spend a great deal of time focusing on these children and uh, if there's anything that shows that there is something magnanimous going on, it's some of the things that you've been able to capture from these young, young children, including a little boy four years old that we're, we're going to be talking about. But give us an overview of the new human. What, what is this really all about? And I know that's a loaded question. <laughs> well, given the fact that my work has been focused on people who have had multi-dimensional extraterrestrial experiences or experiences with non-human intelligences mm -hmm. and that's how they've interpreted it. Initially I was looking at how that experience shifts people into new awareness and they were known as you know contactees or abductees or experiences or whatever but what I discovered was that this wasn't happening to just one generation mm. that what I was seeing with these experiences was that they were intergenerational that it seemed like each generation was a kind of upgrade from the previous one. So that, you know, it wasn't just one person in the family, it was actually several people possibly in a family, and it was maybe mother and then grandfather or grandmother, and it was going down family lines. So I wanted to know 
okay, so if this is happening, um, how are the generations different? And what I was hearing was that the children particularly had a lot more conscious awareness of these ex multi-dimensional experiences that the adults were still not sure whether they believed or were, were um, uncomfortable with or not ready to accept, whereas the children, it, it was natural, it was part of their consciousness. And they were not afraid most of the time. Their only fear came if their parents were afraid. It came from, this is, this is how it is. This is how I see things. And so for me, the most compelling thing when people say, well, a lot of this material is too weird, too bizarre or whatever, not only were the kids making this normal, but they were coming out with concepts and awareness at an age which is just not what we would consider within the normal paradigm. These were, and what makes it even more compelling, it was conscious. This isn't hypnosis, this isn't mm. anything other. They don't watch talk shows on this. They don't read books on this, and they were coming out with complex information. And that in itself is, where do they get this complex information? When the parents will say to me, I haven't got a clue how they know about this. They're talking about black holes, they're talking about quantum reality, they're talking about genetic engineering. And these are six, seven and eight year olds, or even younger, where they're saying, a five year old says to her mom, you know, you're not my real parents, my real parents in space. Right. You're just here that. to look after me, you know, that right. kind of thing. Where does that come from? And they're not the only one. I'm hearing this all across the globe. All this across, is across not globe. just one country or another. Sure, absolutely. Not just one ethnicity, not just no. one. There's it's absolutely no, uh, um, well, here's something. Are, are, you, are you finding that there are certain cultural segments certain parts of the world that may have more of a, uh, not a proclivity, but more of them in one area than, than another. I don't know that that even matters, but since we're on the subject, um, more, say, coming from the UK versus the US versus Australia, any particular indigenous cultures that you were able to sort of pluck out or know? I'm seeing this as a global phenomenon. It doesn't really matter what their culture is right, or belief system. Right, it doesn't, yeah. Yeah. What I am saying is that this is a kind of upgrading of humanity mm -hmm. and it, it covers mm -hmm. the whole gamut. It doesn't matter what, what kind of you know, belief system you have, it doesn't matter what age you are, it doesn't matter um, in any sense of what part of the globe you come from, except for the fact that the culture may affect how much you interpret or ah, understand it. Okay, that's, that's So, you know, point. in South America, they're very comfortable with this. They come out with being a contactee. They don't have a problem with it. But if you're born in Europe or you know Scandinavia or countries where in, you know uh, they're more programmed into the box, they're less inclined to actually admit mm -hmm. that they're having these experiences. So mm. that's the only caveat you will have okay. is the acceptance of the culture or belief right. system. Right, and that's an interesting thing that just kind of came to mind. Well, you know, I, mm. one thing I want us to, to talk a little bit about before we get into some of the more covert operations that are indeed happening on this planet that these very awakened children are aware of. Uh, but something that you said uh, I find very interesting, and that is the intergenerational component of this phenomenon. You know, we, we hear the term new children. Many of us are familiar with uh, the crystal indigo rainbow star at al. Uh, I tend not to, to like the labels, but that, that's how people identify these kids. But you know, we were talking about somebody who uh, has spoken to you. He's now in his 60s um, and uh, at four years old was able to recall uh, some statements that were made. We're going to get into mm. a quote. So you've got this intergenerational component, meaning, A, 
these new kids who many of them are adults now have been coming for quite some time but the difference if I understand you correctly Mary is that with each successive generation there's less inhibition yeah. about talking about it or there's more of a conscious recollection is that yes. correct they're, they're, absolutely but they are actually um, different in many ways I mean metaphys metaphysical groups have recognized them as you said as crystals indigos yeah. Um, children of light, golden children, there's lots of different names and terms and, and they're right up to a point um, that they're different and they've got different qualities. Mm -hmm. What they're not taking into account is the most important reason how this is occurring and part of the way this is occurring is because of our interaction with, the, with these non-human intelligences mm -hmm. that are working with genetic modification to create these upgrades. Right. Right. So that's the bit that's been missing and, and a lot of uh, spiritual groups uh, don't realize that there is a, a very active component there. Um, and, the, and the difference is that these children seem to have the ability to recall past lives far more clearly and their reason why they've come to the planet. So they've got a heightened awareness that hasn't yet been switched off uh -huh. because unfortunately our educational system, as one nine-year-old told me, was that when you go to school they program you out of your light you, they program you out of your understanding the teachers just press the keys right so yes. that's when you start to get dumbed down and uh -huh. this is what's happened with many other generations is before they have a chance to own who they are and because of culturally and education it's not acceptable to be that way that many people have been shut down and, and these kids at the moment seem to have a resilience to that because they may be ADHD, mm. they may be Asperger's, right. they may be autistic, so it's harder to program them. We're seeing it as a dysfunction, but actually they're showing us where we're going because they're indicating a multi-dimensional reality that we have lost ac access to in Western society particularly. Mm -hmm. I want to I spend some time talking about that as well in terms of the uh, the dumbing down, not um, because the teachers don't know any better, but because mm. it could be part of an agenda to shut down mm. this extreme intelligence. But before we do, let's I, let's get to this quote because I find this. We were talking offline mm. about this, and I wanted to make sure this was said verbatim by a four-year-old little boy. His name is Mike Oram uh, from the UK. At four years old, this is what he said: "Quote, Mum." You are my parents as far as bringing me onto this planet, but my real parents are in space. I come from somewhere out there. Something of great importance is going to happen on this earth, not in your lifetime, but in mine. It will affect all units of consciousness, whether they are mineral, vegetable, animal, or man. It is to do with global consciousness, a vast change of consciousness. And that's why I'm here at this time, to experience this change, end quote. I want to reiterate, a four-year-old little boy. Uh, maybe some of you out there won't be surprised because we have so many absolutely intelligent children these days who are, who are enunciating things that are, that, that are far more mature than even some of us adults can do. But let's talk about that for a bit. Uh, this, is, this is worth pondering for a moment. In all, that you, all the ways you are so meticulous in your research, you have to be blown away when you hear a statement like that coming from such a young child. This to me is profound evidence that there's something big going on. And that's why I focused the, you know, a good part of the book on the, on the families with these children. Because not only am I blown away, and I'm a grandmother and I'm a mother, you know, I have three adult children and I've got four grandchildren. I know roughly at what age kids are, uh, and what they say at various ages, what they right. talk about, what they share. I know when something 
does not fit with that. Right. And and so for me, I'm coming from that level too. You know, it's not like I'm, you know, I've never been exposed to children or what they say. I get parents writing to me and saying, this is what my son or my daughter said, saying, I don't know what where to go with it because it is so out of my understanding that they'd even know this right. or even understand it. What do I do with it, Mary? You know, sometimes they'll say it's scaring me. Now, this isn't because they've been talking to their children and talking about this stuff because most parents are very sensible. You know, if they've had experiences and things, they don't talk about this um, information to the children. They, you know, they're. In fact, if anything, they're very careful about what they say. So when their child comes out with an experience where they say they've been either up on spacecraft or they're being taught by a particular being that's family or whatever, or a little blue being, as, as one young nine-year-old told me was her guide, um, and even having a name and saying she teaches me things, the parents are saying, I really don't know where to go with this. You know, what do you make of it? Or whatever. And, you know, these are parents, as I say, m on most occasions, you know, they're, they're, they're very careful about what their child is exposed to or mm -hmm. not. So they know it's coming from another place, but really not, not sure how to approach it or what to do to be the best parent around this kind of information. How do they find you? I mean, to even yeah. know that what their child is saying is so out of context to the world that they've been exposed to, but somehow they must be finding, uh, the parents that is, yeah. that these children are connected to uh, a broader spectrum of reality and non-human intelligence. How do these parents find you? Well, usually because the parents have had experiences of some kind. Okay, so we're back so to that again. They're coming in, knowing about my work, knowing that I, I talk about you know, these new programs. I mean, I've made no secret of the fact that there's two molecular biologists that yes. agree that we're changing as a species. So, you know, the lectures are out there, the YouTube's out there, and we know that that goes everywhere. I mean, I'm amazed that I get emails from Africa and, you know, Europe and South America, Alaska. Um, so even uh, with, a, you know, the fact that this is not necessarily English, but their second language, which still blows me away when this is second language things, mm, mm. they've somehow managed to find information that relates to what they want to, you know, speak about. And of course, with the experiences, I have noticed how many have high incidence of ADHDs and Asperger's, and they're seeing, well, that's what I worry, wondered about. Why is it? If we're being upgraded, and so many are having the ADHDs and the Asperger's, so why would that be? Why would a, a non-human intelligence create these children with dysfunctions? But is it dysfunction? Exactly. Right. And that's what I asked. Maybe it Or at isn't. least in some cases. And yeah. that, we've talked about that yeah. before. So yeah. that was my thinking. Because I, I constantly try and work it, you're trying to work it out. Right. You're trying to follow the clues, you're joining the dots. And the dots were, why would we have these children that are all different? So it was coming from that, and the parents say, but I've got two kids, and one of them sees spirits, one of them sees energies, and talks about that. Another one says that they came from the planet Orion, and that they were, you know, a, a physicist there, and what have you. Where do they get this from? Mm -hmm. You know, but they are the experiencer that is realizing they've had some kind of form of encounter or contact and then noticing their children are that little bit more aware. And uh -huh. then where do you go? Where do you go? Let's talk about, uh, we, we kind of scratched the surface, this idea of genetic modification mm. of humans, mm. DNA manipulation. This is deep, and this may be uh, difficult for some to grasp, but, and maybe for others, particularly our audience, uh, maybe not, because the idea of 
the fact that we have been tinkered with by as we have referred, as you referred mm. to, God's with a little g. Yeah. Uh, it's not necessarily new. The conversation isn't new. And yet it's still going to be a bit, uh, a bit sketchy for some or hard to grasp. What do you know about that? DNA manipulation of, of all of us, I suppose. Yeah. Well, you know. To I've, some degree. Yeah. I mean, <coughs> I'm, I'm someone that really does need to qualify as much as possible from the 3D information that we have. You know, what I suspect may be going on. It's, you know, you're always wondering. And my, you know, I'm a, an ex-nurse midwife. I've got a very good left brain and I want to know is where is the actual evidence that we are a, um, if you like a created species and there's lots of dialogue around that mm -hmm. um, and one of the most well-known is the co-founder of the DNA molecule Dr. Francis Crick and what's fascinating about him is in his book Life Itself he's actually talking about the fact that he believed the seeds of life came in a spaceship that's, you know, he's talking in the 1950s, 60s around this kind of time mm -hmm. where he's saying that. So where is the evidence of that? And one of them is, and it's, it's not denied by geneticists that we have 223 genes in our DNA that is a sideways insertion of genetic material. It did not come up the invertebrate phase of our evolution. It's a sideways insertion and it's all to do with higher psychological functioning. And I was told after that, by um, when I came across this material and I talked about it, I met a gentleman who was a scientist who told me that he worked with Dr. Crick. He actually mm -hmm. lives in uh, Australia. And he said the 223 genes that we have, he said, are in no other species on this planet. No other species. So where did they come from? Where did they come from? Where did they come All to do with higher psychological functioning. So that in itself, now I've um, also got information from a whistleblower geneticist mm -hmm. that wrote in a book called The Intervention Theory by, in, by Lord Pye who was investigating a star child skull that had an enormous number of anomalies that was found in Mexico and he found that the mitochondrial DNA which is the mother's DNA was actually not human so he was saying you know this is a, a skull that isn't human but he was also uh, accessed by a whistleblower geneticist that wrote about human DNA. And he was saying there's so, many, so much evidence of it being cut and spliced, human DNA, including the additions, that there's no question that we are- Irrefutable. Created. It's irrefutable, but he said, if I talk about this openly, I'll be hung out to dry. Well, who knows? Who would hang them out? This is where well, I want to go with well, this. Well, this is, yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's his feeling. Yeah. About his, so it means that somebody else knows. Somebody else is aware of, course, of this history. But they're not speaking about it. Right. That's, that's the big it. Why not? Why, is Why it, not? You know, I talked um, in my presentation recently about Akhenaten, the yes. pharaoh. Which was a great presentation, everyone, that she gave here. The, yeah, uh, I mean, I wanted conference. to sh show that our Akhenaten, they've already found anomalies in Akhenaten sure. in terms of his, his cranial size and, and the skeleton isn't the same. And one of the, the things that we often know about the pharaohs was that they said they were children of the gods. Well, the gods with a little g were all the visitors. The visitors that visited, and there were many different types. They were called the Anunnaki. There's a, um, the, the Dogon tribe called them the Numo that came and then uh, the, this is a, in Western Africa 
and these the, the Numo were part fish, part part um, human, and they talked to the Numo to the the um, the Dogon tribe about genetic engineering and where they were from and what star system they were from. Mm -hmm. And this tribe knew about these star systems before we did. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, this is just. All the indigenous tribes talk about the star visitors. North American Indians know and talk about it. You know, the Hopi Indians talk about the star visitors and whatever. So we've got this beautiful array of indigenous tribes all across the globe talking about these different visitors, the grey beings, which the Aborigines call them um, the Wangina, and even the, the manta beings, which are insect-like yes. praying manta beings, they call them Mamu. They know about these beings. They know that they visit. They know that they interact with us on all these levels. It's just Western culture Western society. that is ignorant of all of this. It was Dana Zohar, the, the physicist and philosopher, I'll never, I've quoted her often, who said, speaking about the uh, reality of an afterlife, and uh, she, she says very candidly that, you know, Western society is li literally spiritually dumb. Yeah that exactly. uh, perhaps not of their own accord, but uh, have been made to be so. So that's fascinating. Well, you know, so what I think we're talking about is a broader genetic modification or DNA modification, species-wide, yes? However, when, it, when we bring these quote-unquote new children into the mix, some of them now adults, is there a different process going on? I mean, what is separating these children that we're talking about that are exceedingly intelligent versus everybody else. So is there, is there a, an additional modification going on with them? And if so, how is that happening? Well, I talk about this in the book in the sense that those that have had experiences say they're an upgraded biological container. And this is, you know, they're operating much faster, their frequency is much faster. And that's why when we look at ADHD who, you know, think so much faster and they have yeah. to be slowed down right. to operate in 3D is because that's where we're going we're actually going to be operating at a faster speed. It's like a difference of the old computer compared to the, the modern fiber optic computers. It, mm -hmm. it's, it's that kind of difference. Right. And so that's you know why we're seeing them as dysfunctional, because they just can't operate in this slow system, because they're geared to that other higher frequency and whatever. And, and that's where we're all going. This is, they're showing us how, what we're evolving into. They're part of the new wave of, of showing the new human. But we also have the capacity to, to join them, all we need to do is get activated because we've still we've got all got the same DNA. We've all got the ability to access all of that. It's just for us, we're more switched off. And there's a wonderful case in California that they noticed was a young boy that was born um, with AIDS because of his parent, his mother. With AIDS. AIDS. Um, because his mother had AIDS. He was tested for AIDS, I think, at two. By the time he was six years old, there was no trace of it. And they found now that he had 24 codons switched on where most only have 20. And this means that he was able, if you like, um, to be almost um, able to avoid, you know, to, to cure himself. And they've noticed 1% of the population they tested but it was the white population, as far as I know, up to date, that have these 24 codons switched on now. And this was the testing they'd done. It's one of the um, universities, I think, in California. I've got all the details in the book. Mm -hmm. But in overview, they've already found these strange anomalies where this is, you know, self-healing kids. Self-healing self capacity. Which, that yeah. completely eradicated. And there's now 1% their finding of children that have this. This is just one example. 
there's uh, um, another one that's to do with an extra strand of DNA they found in a boy in England, which again is mentioned in the book. And they can't work out how suddenly he's got this extra strand. He's the only one they know in the world so far. So what is this saying to us? We are changing. Yeah. This is just little snippets of what is coming out from the scientific side of it. And as much as possible, you know, that's what I'm looking for, is where else is the evidence apart from the testimony of the children and what they're telling me they know about themselves? Mm -hmm. This is some fascinating information. And what, what keeps, as you're telling me about all these revelations uh, that, are, that are clear, irrefutable, is that there are a lot more people that know, a lot more mm. individuals on this planet that know, are fully aware at least that these things are happening. They may not know from whence it comes, but they know. Yeah. And this is where I want to segue, Mary, a little bit. Let's, let's, sometimes it's necessary to go down that little mm. dark path in order to really illuminate the mm. light. So I want to talk about what these children know yeah. in terms of what we might call the darker agendas, uh, mm -hmm. because I know that they have revealed some things to mm -hmm. you to perhaps, uh, uh, not curtail, but to annihilate the, the reality of this uh, coming out and furthermore to be, fully, to, to be fully implemented so that the whole of humanity can't be upgraded. Let's get into that a little bit, um, and I know that's a big subject. I know that you go into, I believe it's chapter 8, and, and mm. it's peppered throughout the book yes. where these children that you've talked to have revealed mm. yeah. how they are fully aware of the more covert agendas, fully aware, yeah. and, and some have been un unwillingly or uh, unwittingly taken uh, mm. in order to, to, to steal some of their yeah. capacity and use it for Other uh, malevolent reasons. Let's yes. talk about that for okay. a bit. I mean, for those that are uncomfortable with what they will see as conspiracies and whatever, we have to understand that there are two levels. And, and this is something that I was very reluctant to go into to start with because I was a very naive woman. I like to believe people are telling the truth and whatever until you start to look at the way things are orchestrated. And it doesn't take long, even with someone who doesn't want to believe in this stuff, to start looking at the material and seeing where we're being misled on many, many levels mm -hmm. on this planet. Now, if I, as a middle-aged woman who's, you know, I'm not a brain surgeon or anything, can work out that we're changing as a species, that, you know, I'm talking to people that are telling me these, these kids are really special and they have all this awareness, etc., etc. Mm -hmm. There's got to be agencies on their planet that are saying, you know what, this is a resource that we can use mm -hmm. and you know we want to keep people at a certain level where we can control them where we can do what we need to do etc etc and we know there's many ways that's being done I mean there's a whole range of ways that they're keeping the public dumbed down and for anyone waking up to this you can start to see it everywhere yes you know whether you like it or not it is everywhere but they're aware of these children. They've, been no they've known about these kids for a quite a long time. Okay. We're talking right, you know, from the 60s and 70s, where one of the interesting things that Dr. Roger Lear, who wrote the book, The Aliens and the Scalpel, recognized the star kids, and he was looking at the developmental stages in uh, the 1940s to the 1980s. And he showed me the statistics of the age of walking, talking, reading, and, and what have you. And some of the ways that that accelerated as much as 60 to 80% hmm. in developmental stages in children. Well, if he notices it, and whatever, you can be pretty certain right. agencies are noticing it as well. Because they do all the, the testing, you know, uh, through education. 
you know, it's not considered dark or anything. It's, you know, what do our kids need? What level of awareness have they got? And all these things, they have access to all of the stuff that I certainly don't. Mm -hmm. So they're going to know, and I believe they know, mm -hmm. because what the children are telling me is they are aware of bases where these children are taken, when they know, and they, they know by there, there are ways they can tell now, and I think there's even probably some way they can tell even from the blood tests that they do. Um, there's a, a kind of energy signature to some of them. They can pick them out and they can. They have the ability to pick them up and to test them. And you know they can do it in a lot of what would seem normal ways. Oh, your child's a bit different here. Let's do some more testing. Yeah. So then the children tell me, uh, the ones that remember, that some of them have been taken underground and they are they utilize their multi-dimensional abilities and one gentleman who's now in his 30s told me that when he was seven years old he remembers being taught how to work through solid objects so in other words changes frequency because taught, the, by? Um, taught by the people there that know they can do it okay um, humans I'm, we're talking humans. about in this case yes but the humans that are aware of their abilities because these children have told me some of the abilities they have would be very hard for most people to believe. Sure. One of them, um, who's now a molecular biologist, told me that when she used to play hide and seek as a kid, she, she had this awareness that when she was playing hide and seek with them, she sent out to them the other kids' minds, you can't see me. I recall either are talking about that. Yeah. This is Dr. Olson. Yeah. Is that correct? Yes. Exactly. And they yeah. didn't see her. They honestly didn't see right. her until she let them see them. Now, this isn't just her. Yeah. These are other children that can actually not only read minds, and the numbers of children that are telepathic is quite incredible now. Um, and a lot of the children we consider autistic, are they're already doing discoveries to find out that they actually are telepathic. There are tests being done, credible tests by recognized professionals, that these children, a lot of them are telepathic. So this is taking us into an area that a lot of the public don't know about, but people behind the scenes jolly well do. They do. And they know what to look for. And a lot of the testing that's being done and all the rest of it is being used for more than one obvious purpose. And that's to find out what's going on with the populations. Right. This is going to bring us into an area that I hadn't necessarily planned on going fully today, but because we have touched on this before, and, and that is, the, the, within the alternative mm. community, if you will, and the discussions about what is really causing autism, mm. what is autism to begin with? Mm. Is it a disease? A disease? Is mm. it a disorder, or is it something greater? You recall mm. we've talked about that, and I've really, Mary, I pondered this over time because uh, we, we really don't know. Perhaps there's a spectrum mm. of of what it is to be autistic, but for those on the alternative side mm. that are discussing the idea that these babies, particularly males, mm. are being uh, purposefully assaulted mm. from the environment, mm. the fluoride in the yeah. water, particularly yeah. the vaccines. Mm. Um, and l that's looked at as a malevolent yeah. act yeah. To, to put these children in yeah. a, at a disadvantage. Yeah. In a sense, flies in the face with the idea that it's, it's not a disorder and it may not be coming from that at all, but a, mo a genetic modification. There's, this there's is two. There's two. Yes. There's two. Yeah. T let's talk about that. Because there's there ones. Again. Yeah. There are definitely a malevolent agenda in terms of, I believe, and I, I, I would just say to people, just look into the vaccination stuff right. yourself. Don't take my word for it. But I do believe there's, there's real 
real damage being done now because of the multiple um, infliction of all these different ones. They've got no idea ultimately what those all together are doing right. and whatever. And you know, they need to look at this themselves. We won't go into the chemtrails and we're, and the fluoride in the water right. and you know the, the food that's being altered and whatever. All this stuff that you know is not for our well-being. Make no bones about it. I believe there are some that are born with a, what appears to be autistic tendencies and there's some that are going through this covert agenda that end up being autistic. There's a difference in that. For example, when I talked about Nikola Tesla. That's a very good point, yeah. He was actually autistic. Uh-huh. You did but, mention that. Okay. And, and so I think there's, there's, you know, there is an agenda that is negative with that, but not, you know, when the ones are appearing autistic, just like Asperger's in a way is they can't function in social circumstances as well. I'm going to go, I'm just going to mention what I know about that. But I think that that's too, and I say certain forms of autism, I, I'm very specific about that mm -hmm. because the ones that are born autistic against the ones that are manipulated, made, to manipulate, be. that's yes. a different ball game. I see. That's a different okay. ball game. But what I believe it is, is that there is definitely programs where some of the children are born with certain abilities that are not necessarily recognized in terms of, you know, the savants with um, the autistic and what have you. What it is is opening up other areas of the brain. The brain. They're noticing that they have more creativity, the autistic child and whatever, which is not necessarily being recognized. Mm -hmm. It was supposed to be an incapacity, but in fact, they're more creative. They have different ways of looking at things and whatever, which is showing us another way that we're maybe operating multidimensionally. Um, one of the interesting things with Asperger's and a critique of it is that they're too honest and they don't know how to um, operate in normal social circumstances. And it was, an, it was a, a, a gentleman with um, Asperger's that explained to me exactly what was going on, mm -hmm. which was a light bulb moment for me because he said, Mary, he said, they say that we can't socialize. He says, we actually don't want to socialize because <laughs> he said, what you're seeing isn't truth. You are, you are showing a certain face to fit in with what society accepts. It's not, it's not real. It's not honest. Right. You know, you can be feeling terrible and you're saying, I'm great today. That's correct. And he said, and we can't That's bear dishonesty. Sure. He said, yeah. when we're talking to one another, to Asperger's, we're totally on the same page. We're totally direct. We know exactly where we're coming from. And it's honest. It's true. So I think the Asperger's is actually showing us to be honest, mm -hmm. to actually stop all this you know, this socialization, this facade, facade yeah. these, you know, these faces that we put on because it's not honest. That's right. You know, when you go to the supermarket and they say, you know, how are you today? And you say, I'm good. And you may, may be walk, wanting to walk down the road and commit suicide. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's a nonsense. That is a big subject. You know, I, I've actually yeah. deliberately said, yeah. actually, I'm feeling crap today. You know, what yeah. are you going to say to that? <laughs> I'm not, I think it's, yeah. but I'm, ta I'm, I'm just jerking people out of this whole thing that right. isn't real. Right. I you think know? that's a very interesting thing. Well, you know, thank you for, for elucidating that for us because I think that there is, again, us humans as we are tend to be in the this or that mm. situation. Autism is either, either caused by this or that, yeah. but it could be this and that and that. Yeah. Here's something that I've pondered, it, keeping that in mind mm. that there may be two impetuses for autism that we're mm. seeing today, one being a more natural new human, yeah. the other being a replication, mm. the organic versus yeah. the synthetic. The yeah. 
Could it be, this is something that I just pondered, that those that are putting things in our environment, mm. including the vaccines, that may, them being fully aware of causing autism, could it be that that camp is also aware of these naturally autistic mm. or new children and are trying to replicate? Mm. It's almost like looking at creating their own another human. And this oh, would yeah. take us into a whole other discussion Absolutely. about artificial intelligence. Uh, oh, look, Let's talk about that. I think it's a very good point. And there's only so much you can go into in a yeah, book. Right. But I think that's quite possible because they know that they have certain abilities. Right. And they may be trying to replicate those, uh, but also try to control them. And this is going to sound really conspiratorial. We don't know what else are in those vaccines yeah. in terms of monitoring, controlling, programming, because you can have things smaller than they can have the tiniest um, bit of electronics now Nano or technology to, yeah, that yeah. is also part of that and we would never never know I don't know I, ca I can't say for sure but nothing is beyond the realms of possibility there I think in terms of if you're going to do this to kids then you you're really not got any conscience anyway have you that's the way I look at it right so right. I don't know but it's it's more than possible yeah 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 Mary we have a, a lot more to cover and uh I, this is actually Mary's fourth time on the show, I think. First time that we're yeah. talking face-to-face. -face. So yeah. we're going to take a quick break, okay. and then we're going to pick up on the back end and get a little bit more into uh, the, the covert aspects. And then we're going to end on an up note and what yeah. these kids are doing about okay. it. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. What would you do if the beloved pet you had to put down only months ago suddenly showed up at your doorstep? Or you had a dream that your animal companion told you they would be returning to you. Hi, I'm Alexis Brooks, and after having my own amazing animal return experience, I've put together a compelling presentation called The Evidence for Animal Reincarnation, Clues, Characteristics, Confirmation, that include miraculous stories just like mine that happen to real people just like you. You'll hear powerful accounts of animals returning to their owners after they've died. You'll find out if you can actually encourage your lost pet to return to you and ways to learn whether they already have. Take a deep dive into the historical beliefs around reincarnation. Learn about synchronicity, intuition, and even dreams and how they all factor into this miraculous phenomenon. To learn more about this unique presentation and to purchase your copy, visit higherjourneys.com forward slash animal reincarnation. That's higherjourneys.com forward slash animal reincarnation. And maybe you too will witness the return of your animal friend that you've been so longing to see. You're listening to Higher Journeys Radio with Alexis Brooks. And now, back to our program. I want to stay on this, uh, this subject of autism, and let's call it the autism debate, within the alternative culture for a bit, because you, uh, as we talked a little bit off air, you've, you've said that, uh, that you really spent some time tackling this in mm. your book in mm. terms of this discrepancy or this sort of schism uh, mm. with, with individuals that autism is caused by uh, from, from a conspiratorial standpoint mm. versus uh, just a misunderstanding. Mm. So how do you handle that in the book? 
I, I look at um, some of the testimony from people like Dr. Olson, who's a molecular biologist, who said that she's one of the, what she calls the letter people, letter which people. is one of those. And she said, and, and initially she was seen as a slightly autistic as well. Mm -hmm. So these are the ones that are, are seen as dysfunctional and either given the label of autism, they may be given you know, these other labels, ADHD or whatever. So what she's saying is, that it's just a misunderstanding of what properties or abilities that they have against the ones that seem to have been triggered into an autistic state by what may be vaccines seems to be the, the big one and there's a huge debate around it and I just ask people to, to you know, read up for themselves and make up their own mind which is an artificial way of bringing that in but I, what I have discovered is that what we're also taking out of this, and I, I'm pretty certain I've mentioned it in the book, is, a, is another account of some, a child who was autistic that described how they see the world in a, a completely different way and how they sense things and feel things in a completely different way um, to the average human. So it seems like it, 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 it expands certain of our uh, bits of our awareness, if you like, when we're in that space mm -hmm. because we're using different parts of our brain mm -hmm. and there's more creativity for some reason mm -hmm. within the autistic spectrum but it's experienced in a different way as well so we have to really go into the mind and awareness of the autistic child to understand what it is that is different about them and this is what I discussed briefly Dr. Olson talks about how she understands it, how they have, they found they, they have more creativity in terms of their abilities. That is now um, an accepted thing. Mm -hmm. They found that they're telepathic. Mm -hmm. So if you've got a child that gets frustrated and gets angry and you can't communicate with them, which a lot of them exhibit, what you're forgetting is that they're picking up on your thoughts. So if you've got a parent or a carer that's getting annoyed or frustrated or whatever then that child will emulate that mm -hmm. so you've got to look at literally take it on I mean it's you've got to, you've got to realize yeah, yeah that they're empaths yeah and that they may be actually just you know fronting you with how you're feeling mm -hmm. because that, that's they're picking up that from you Do you think they're doing that with a with a motivation of, of compassion that they're, they're trying to eliminate hurt from somebody that they love when when they let's say a parent lashes out or is upset about something and the child you and I have talked about this mm. before the child literally takes on that emotion do you think that part of is it just by default or do you think that there's some measure of, of love there that they want to take it away they want to take the pain away from their parent it might be both could be both you know because yeah. w one of the things that Tracy Taylor talked about when the child is born and is telepathic and aware they, they even have to learn what solid is because they see everything as energy and what they have to also learn is the, if they're connected to the mother that, that to separate out that's mom and that's not me because they they are so um, if you like connected to the mother's energy and her mm -hmm. consciousness that they have for a while a difficulty in actually separating out what's me and what's someone else and a lot of the intuitive kids have the same thing they're not sure what is them and what is you. There are no boundaries. So they, yes, until they have, they learn, mm. oh, hold on a minute, that's that person, that's not me. Right. Because that's the biggest difficulty with an empath, is knowing the difference between their own energy and feelings and, the, and what they're tuning into. So it's like us, we all have to learn how to walk a certain way so we don't fall over. You know, they're having to manage energies and understand 
you know, it's a lot of work. Yeah, it's that's what they're learning. A lot of work so they struggle and yeah. they'll, get, they'll get frustrated. So we've got to understand that we're showing them this much of reality and they're seeing and they're, this. Yeah, and it's almost like saying, they're retrofitting themselves yes. into a backward planet. That's exactly right. How do they reconcile that? This is something that, that I, I really wanted to ask you. I mean, these children, they are human. They may mm. be new human, mm. but they're human nonetheless. And I know that for those of us who uh, are seeing uh, a very broken world, and I was saying to someone yesterday uh, at the event, it seems that many of us have one foot on one planet and mm-hmm. one on another, just in our mindset mm-hmm. and how we operate. But for these new children that are re- right in there, the, yeah. these children that you're talking to, how on earth on earth do they reconcile the, the talk about a schism or cognitive yeah. dissonance? Yeah, you know, dealing with the majority on the planet who yeah. are so switched off. Yeah. still. And yet they know so much more. They're being misunderstood. That frustration they may be yeah. having for that reason, they're getting fed drugs because of the misunderstanding. Yeah. How are they dealing with that psychologically, Mary? Well, some don't. We've got, I've even talked to some of the, the um, not, you know, the teenagers or those around 10 or 11 that have said they've wanted to, to die. They've not wanted to be here. And one of them, I remember, he's, he's now 16, but he, he, I remember him saying to me that when he was 10, or he was either 10 or 11 when he wanted to commit suicide. And mm. the reason was that he was explaining to his family his experiences, his awareness, and they were saying, oh, for goodness sake, you know, get into the, you know, the real world and, and right. forget all of that stuff. It's just your imagination, you know, stop being so silly and whatever. So he said to me, Mary, I tried. I tried to be 3D, he said, and I got to the point where it made me so depressed, just thinking this was all there the was, that I, d- I wanted to end it, I wanted to die. And he said, and I thought to myself, well, if being in 3D is gonna make me wanna die, if I wanna hang around, I'm gonna have to go back to my, my greater reality, even if it's difficult. I need, I'd rather do that, because at least it gives me a reason to live. Mm. And he said even going to school was difficult because he would tap in to other people, the children's emotions, if they'd had a bad night with mum and dad or been beaten or whatever, he would feel all of that. Yeah. And he said, you've no idea how painful that is to actually be in an environment where I'm picking up all of this from all the other children and their pain, their unhappiness or their problems. He said, I just found it almost impossible to go to school Yeah. because of that. What a burden. And, and you know, we've got kids that have, you know, really either think they're crazy, like the little eight-year-old that said to me when he was telling me about his experiences, so you don't think I'm crazy? All of eight years old, you know, checking out his sanity. You've got a, you know, 10-year-old saying, I don't want to be on this planet. It's too hard. And talking about suicide, for heaven's sake. Do you think that is, I mean, we all know that the, the, the rate, the suicide rate amongst mm. uh, youth has gone up exponentially. I don't know the numbers offhand, mm. but we know that it's alarmingly high. Mm. And of course, we're not going to hear this on the evening news. We'll hear the statistics, but we won't hear the reason why, yeah. or at least the real reason. Yeah. Do you think that perhaps part of this is due to what you're describing, that the kids that we're hearing about that may have killed themselves through because of bullying mm. may just be a cover mm. in some cases that the, this rise may be coming from these new children that just can't bear to stay on this planet and they succeed in leaving. I, I think it's that, but I also think that they are bullied because other children sure. oh, yeah. will see them differently. They sense their energies different. So they, you know, kids are very good at intuiting somebody who's a bit different. 
and I think they do pick on them as well so I think it's probably a combination mm. of them both so that is why I talk about needing a new education and this isn't a rerun of any any education we've got on this planet right now I have met all um, older generations of star seeds that say I know we have to create something different for them and this is where you give the child the space to be who they are to tell us what they need so they can be all they can be so we're doing we're being taught by them we can help them manage a 3d world which is what they're going to need because that we're also operating in a 3d but they're going to teach us what we need to know about their reality so that we can also then be taken along with them so the school is a reverse of everything we know about education it literally is a reverse they will be the teachers to us mm -hmm. and we will show them how to manage being in 3d look after their biological body and eat properly and all the rest of it and and be the, the nurturer there but they will actually teach us what we need to know to to grow into this new reality this new understanding of who we are I find that so interesting because I, I, I hear this sort of mantra I remember once I, I I had somewhat of a lucid dream in which I heard a voice saying to me sometimes you're the teacher sometimes mm -hmm. you're the student sometimes yeah. you're the teacher yeah. this happened over and over yeah. again and it sounds like that's what yeah. ideally could be created here yeah. and in the process this is just sort of a, a, a word picture that I'm getting or a picture that I'm getting that in the process of that reciprocal mm. um, idea that a third reality is then mm. created we've now blurred the 3d yeah. maybe we've even jumped maybe that will be the catalyst to take yeah. us to the to the 5D. Yeah. So that's a very interesting thing. Well, it was it was interesting <clears throat> that this 9-year-old in Europe said to me, "I'm 9 and I'm going to be helping my mum wake up, but my brother who's only 3 is going to teach me." So she was aware that the earlier generations are the ones that continue the process to the ones that apparently are older, uh -huh. but actually in terms of understanding are not. We're really going to have to completely reframe, reframe how we see this whole system. I think of the parents that are out there. Now, you're talking about, fortunately, there are some parents that are somewhat switched mm. on, at least switched on enough to listen to these children, to be able to realize something's going on here. I'm going to reach out to Mary Rodwell. Uh, to, to, to get more insight. I'm going to invest in this because there's something special going on here. But I know that there are a lot of parents, well-meaning as they are, that are completely oblivious mm. to this greater reality and are falling in line with what the system recommends. The system mm. is completely out of line with understanding, uh, particularly on the lower level, of what's going on. Mm. What would you say to the parent that might be listening or watching this that that stumbled upon it, mm. had no idea that this was even going on, but is getting lots of aha moments in terms of my kids doing mm. this, my kids mm. doing that. What's going on here? What would you say? First of all, I'd say listen to your children. Ask them about how they see things. How do they understand things? What's important to them? You know, those the kids don't always know what's safe to say because they're told this is okay this is not okay in school they're told you can you you know this is how you are to understand this you, you know you're told how to to understand something you know if it's a spiritual belief this is how it is to just say what is it that you feel mm -hmm. what do you think and one of the things that I remember Kathy as I call her in the book saying and I was working through an interpreter with her and 
one of the really fascinating things, she suddenly came out with, Mary has big ears. Right. And I remember, I remember saying, well, yeah, I probably have, you know. <laughs> um, but she wasn't meaning she physically. Mean, right. Because she actually qualified that by saying, Mary listens and most adults don't. So the mere fact that I'd gone to the trouble of talking to her over Skype and hearing a story, and it was an adult taking notice of her, was wonderful for her because it was somebody who's taking me seriously because this is what I know, this is what I understand. And I find this with a lot of the, the eight-year and nine-year-olds and seven-year-olds I talk to, they are so relieved to have an adult take them seriously and listen. So mum and dad, just listen. Right. Hear them, and if they talk about things that seem a bit unusual or a bit different, ask more about it. Ask them to say, well, can you tell me more? And take the time to listen, because then you might find you're learning something. Absolutely. It's going to take uh, a certain type of individual, as it, you know, there are a lot of people on this planet that are so indoctrinated into the idea that I'm adult, you're a child, mm -hmm. and no matter what, I don't yeah. care what comes out of your mouth, I'm still the authority, yes. I still know more. Yeah. So it, it's going to take a yeah. lot of reframing and re -under, re, uh, reworking mm -hmm. what, you know, who we are. Mm -hmm. uh, the question that comes up, we're winding down now, mm -hmm. um, but uh, the question that I think comes up repeatedly in, in our circle, mm. and, uh, particularly in the event yesterday, is um, will there be a collective epiphany? Is it even mm. possible that this broader reality is, is going on, it's here, and we need to address it or else? Do you think there will be a collective awakening or, or not? Mm. Well... I will go back to something I, I talked about in the presentation with the, the young 12-year-old Peter who said Earth has been at this point three times before and he feels now that there's a 95% to 100% chance that we're going to make it. That's good news. <laughs> okay, and that's coming from him. I don't believe all these amazing children are being born around the globe for a waste of time. No. I, it, because they would already know before they incarnated, is this going to be worthwhile or not? And they're going to know whether it's worthwhile. So I believe they believe it's worthwhile. And I have hope in that, and I have hope in our future. I have hope in us as a species. People are waking up exponentially around this planet now. And we only need a certain percentage, it's like the hundredth monkey, to get it. Mm -hmm. And then we're, we're away. So I believe in us. And I believe we've come here because we know it's, we're going to be part of that shift. And otherwise, why would we bother? Absolutely. Why would we bother? So for those that uh, we, we all, we're all well-meaning, I think we're mm. all so hungry, or at mm. least those of us that are seeing that we're on this, this curve, this arc, uh, we can get frustrated, but I think that, that gives hope. And I go back to the quote by uh, Mike Orham, who mm. said, uh, not speaking to his parents, mm. not in your lifetime, but in mine. And of course, that was quite some time ago, uh, but uh, let's hope in the near term that mm. we will uh, we will see this shift take place. I think we're seeing it now. Mm, I do. The new human awakening to our cosmic heritage. When are we going to see it, Mary? When is it coming out? And by the way, we're going to show a shot. I believe I've got the breaking news. I believe <laughs> yes. that no one has seen this cover yet. Mary was so yeah. kind to share it with me. So we're going to show you a, a cover shot, which is absolutely stunning. Uh, when, when are we going to be able to hold it in our hot little hands, you think? I hope by the end of October, beginning of November, 
with luck, it will be published, okay. so it will be available. All right. Well, okay. I can't wait. I, I Again, I thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to have a look. And by the way, folks, it, it just... I read a lot of material, as you can imagine, and uh, it is so, uh, someone like me is so grateful when you can just go right through, I mean, it's it's the type of book you want to ponder for sure, but it's written so well. It just, it it's smooth. It's just, I don't know how to describe it. It's just written very, very well and very engaging, very important. I want everyone to get a copy of this as soon as it comes out. So. Mary Rodwell, oh my gosh, it's so great to see you in the flesh. She's been on the show four times, but this is by far the most special, coming all the way from Australia. You're not in my future anymore. You're now in our past. Uh, that's right. <laughs> thank you, Mary. Love you. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me to speak. Thank Take you. care, everyone. In an age where we are apparently seeing these new humans increase in number, Mary contends that this unique species has been here for generations. In fact, the intergenerational component is something she's noted as key to understanding the true evolution of the human species. I was particularly struck by how Mary described that in later years, although these new humans have been here for decades, if not longer, those that are coming in now are less inhibited and more conscious of their origins and their mission. Still, others are suffering in silence wanting to leave this 3D world, not understanding why this planet appears to be so upside down. Regardless of what some of you may think about the reality of the new humans, I think it behooves us to take the time to listen to those who you may think of as different, to learn from them, and allow us to teach them about who we are right now. This is a time of convergence, an opportunity to blur the lines of polarity and difference, and create what can truly be a brand new human and a brand new world. Thank you for tuning in to this special on location edition of Higher Journeys. Until next time, I'm your host, Alexis Brooks.